Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss NVIDIA's acquisition of ARM. What does this mean for the industry? What are we going to do? NVIDIA, what are they going to do with all of this new power? Then we're going to head to the popular camera corner with Wendy, where we continue our discussion on light mods. So sit back, relax, plug in, because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe. With me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, a resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Although, Wendy... I'm seeing by the notes that I might have to strip you of your hardware enthusiast title because it doesn't look like you did anything hardware related this week. What is happening to Wendy? I know this is such a huge issue. I need to fix this. I have to I need fix you to this. go on Newegg right now and just order some random electronics. <laughs> just so don't, I can don't talk worry. About it. I- I'm, I'm picking up the slack here, and this week I did. I got a lot of stuff that I did. Oh, look at you trying yeah. to push nice. in here. Well, yeah, I, I'm not then. pushing in. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm helping out. That's what, that's what it is. All right. How so, about Wendy? What hardware stuff have you been up to, Michael? So first of all, the battery backup is completely installed, and I actually used it yesterday when my power flickered a little bit, and I was like, ha ha, battery backup. Wasn't that uh, nice? You didn't lose yeah. everything. You could keep going. It was fantastic, and I do uh, I do love having this thing now. Like I always thought, like it'd be great to have one, and now it's like I can't not have this. So yes, and you went with the beautiful APC twelve hundred series. Is that right? I think I got a fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. Okay. Yeah, I'm, it's APC for sure. I think it's a fifteen hundred. I could be wrong and misremembering, but I think it is a fifteen. Uh, so I also got uh, a Pine phone that I ordered, and Whoa. it arrived it yesterday and i unpacked it immediately well you'd have fact, to i mean wow oh, exactly and i also not only did i unpack it i actually did an unboxing video of it too so i proved that i unpacked it very quickly just so that everybody would know that it didn't take me three weeks to get to it <laughs> that is if you awesome. left that phone in the box for three weeks but you you really couldn't be here anymore that that's worse than me <laughs> not having stuff computer stuff for the last two weeks hardware stuff if you left the phone in the box yep that's it cards i mean i was tempted just for the lulls but i didn't i didn't do it for the lulls (laughs) he says look at you trying to be so cool i'm hip you're you're not hip if you got a pine phone you're cool in the nerd world but not outside that outside (laughs) the nerd world people would be like pine what yes that's very true pine pine phone for those who are not aware is a linux powered pine uh linux powered smartphone that is a really cool device that's also very inexpensive and is just like a, a cool play, like fun to play with type of phone that I wanted to see how good it was for its price. And so far, I am impressed. I still have a lot of, to play with it because it, it allows you to support uh, 13 different OSs at one time, which is just insane. So I look forward to playing with that. But I also did something else that is very much a hardware thing. It's one of the few things in terms of hardware that I'm not really enthusiastic about, but I do care a lot about it, uh, which is weird, I know. But it's cable management. And most people absolutely hate cable management. And I also 
pretty much hate it to a degree. But at the same time, I have to do it. So when I, because I have to do it, I decided to go all out and I have this crazy custom uh, thing I set up that is, I might make a video about it or whatever to kind of describe, to show it better, but to describe it, it's kind of funny. So I have a sit stand desk and these desks are fantastic. They are great for ergonomics. So you can sit and stand and all that stuff. And if you have a stool, you can do active sitting. So there's that. But another thing that it that it has a problem with though is well it's a nightmare to cable manage because the the cables have to be loose enough to go up and down and you have to figure out a way to make it where they are not in your way but also can be flexible and not get snagged on anything and whatever so it turns out that's a very very difficult thing to do and of course you could go to like IKEA and get a signum which by the way you can now get them on Amazon, but for the longest time, you could not get a Signum on Amazon. So you had to buy them from Ikea. You couldn't order them from Ikea because the shipping from Ikea was like $100 and the Signum itself was 20 bucks. So I was like, no, I'm not oh doing my that. Gosh. Yeah, so I, de- I didn't bother to get that. So instead, this was like a month ago, they started doing it on Amazon. So like, that's way too late. But my solution is that I have a cable hammock. And I know that sounds very weird. and makes no sense. But essentially what I did is, you know how those like SUVs, they have these cargo net things. So I took, I ordered a cargo net and I hooked it up underneath my desk and it just holds everything in like a hammock style and it, it works beautifully. Look at you, Martha Stewart. Right? Exactly. So I want to, I'm going to make a video showing you how I did it because also making the, the cables not be so like scattered and chaotic and whatever inside of a sit-stand desk structure is very difficult, and I think my process is pretty solid. So I, I'm, I'm well, making a video there to you go. Maybe... Also, in that same video, you can show us how to ni- make a nice cheese tray when you're having guests come over. I don't <laughs> know what that means, but yes. Yes. Yes, I will. Okay, fantastic. Well, this week, I have been continuing to play with my mini Titan and I did the video last week kind of going through all of the parts that I chose for this particular build. And this week I'm releasing a video on the benchmarks or performance. Now I hate benchmarks because people put so much into them and they are the best, I guess, that we have but they also do not really exhibit real-world performance, meaning you could show something. Well, we've seen this a million times. I mean, we've talked about it on this show where certain companies, CPUs, make CPUs or GPUs, will go out there with some benchmark results that are geared specifically toward the workflow that works best on their piece of equipment that was programmed specifically for their piece of equipment that puts out results that look, amazing and then your real world performance really isn't that great but it is the best thing that we i guess have as a benchmark for how the system is performing <laughs> so you see what i did there yeah it's pretty good yeah, oh yeah so we're gonna you know i'm gonna show some benchmarks but i'm not gonna go deep into that what i'm really gonna show mostly is real world performance so actual gaming actual rendering that type of stuff because i think that's just more valuable Of course, it's a little more boring than the fancy graphs and charts and all of that. So I have to come up with some way to make it exciting. But so far, this I don't think anybody's ever gone, 
You know, it's a little bit more boring than the fancy charts and graphs. <laughs> I don't know. People are always like, well, why didn't you run this particular bench suite? Because like, could, you, could you give me a pie chart for that so I could know how fancy it is? <laughs> right. But I, I think the system's done pretty good all in all. There were a couple of things in the, my video, if you haven't checked it out yet, that I call out that I wasn't so happy with. One was the mount for the NVMe M2 on the ASRock motherboard, which, yes, I decided to Ew. go ASRock to try them again. And I explained why in the video specifically and was disappointed again. Unfortunately, <laughs> of course you were, with ASRock. So, um, I'm not even a harder person. I hate ASRock. <laughs> but the performance of the board is actually fantastic. What the board has on it is fantastic. It's just some parts fell off that I had to glue back on because ASRock. So there's that. <laughs> some parts fell oh off. my gosh. It's, it's, it's not a big deal because the parts fell yeah, off. Yeah, I just, what? I just what? super glued them back on and uh, we're back in business. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the Q, that's the QA system for Azrock. Eh, whatever, they'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> they probably have glue at their house. You know, um, I I usually a lot of vendors have these times where they release really fantastic products, and then everybody swears behind them. And then after a certain amount of time, they get so popular, their products generally cheapen up. Right? They find ways to cut costs, and they're not as good anymore. So I always try to go back to vendors I've sworn off generally in a few years, and see if they've got anything new. This board on paper, the B550 ITX Phantom, is amazing. It's just their quality control really needs some help there. But in any case, you can check out that video. You can check out the benchmarks coming. But I'm still just having a blast with this mini Titan. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the video is really cool. And the, uh, the, the, the structure of having everything in that small lunchbox or Lee and lunchbox is <laughs> is a cool idea and it does make me kind of curious if I, I i don't have the patience to deal with such a small in like enclosure but it does look really slick and i it does make me wish i had the patience because it would be really cool to have something that small but still powerful yeah well mad props to leon lee because even though this case is tiny the way that they arranged it made it such a joy to work on this machine so uh, you know, they really they really maximize the space perfectly within this thing. It's been pretty awesome. Nice. This episode of Hardware Addicts and the entire Destination Linux network is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and so much more. You can get all this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. Or you can use their flexible pricing structure for as low as 0.7 cents per hour. As Ryan would say, that's darn near free. DigitalOcean also has over 2,000 cloud agnostic tutorials to help you stay up to date with the latest open source software, languages, and frameworks. Get started on DigitalOcean for two months free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. And we thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, and I just want to add, we have a Zenotic server for the DLN community out there right now. Now, Zenotic is a free and open source first-person shooter like Unreal Tournament, and it's 
if you use Linux, you can get it in your repository, but I think it works in other uh, operating systems. Yeah, it works in everything. Well. So yeah. you can go download that and search for destination Linux when you click on multiplayer and you can join that server. We've been known to jump in there and do some wild damage throughout the weeks as we're meeting and things like that. It's In fact, we were on the Ask Noah show yesterday, Michael, talking about our core story here, the NVIDIA buying ARM. And, you know, during or after that show was done, we all jumped into the Xenotic server. And, well, I kind of beat everybody, right? Well, I think I think the way you remember that is a little bit inaccurate uh, because oh. <laughs> I, not to say that I did or anything. I'm just saying we both are terrible. So that's pretty much what happened. Uh, but for those who are not aware, Xenotic is a free first person shooter game. It is awesome. And it is spelled with an X. So it's X-O-N-O-T-I-C. So you pronounce it Xenotic, but it's it's spelled with an X. Yeah. So go check that out. And thanks, DigitalOcean. That's where we are hosting that awesome server. All right. So into our core story, we have NVIDIA buys ARM. Now, everybody's covering this news, Michael, but we're the ones they really want to hear from. We're the hardware right? addicts. Especially me. Yeah. So, Wendy... <laughs> Now that we've established nobody wants to know our opinion. No, I'm teasing. So this is really interesting because it's one of the biggest purchases in history at $40 billion. Certainly one of the biggest ones that NVIDIA has made. Yeah. And ARM is such a huge, massive player in everything when it comes to mobile devices, when it comes to... Um, devices like Raspberry Pi and embedded systems. It's just, it's all over the place. This is just a cash cow. And I was surprised, shocked that SoftBank let go of this, although they are retaining some ownership into the new company once it merges within NVIDIA. Now, there's a lot of things here. Will this acquisition go through? But I really want to know from you, Wendy, because Michael and I kind of reacted, and we'll cover that here on Ask Noah's show. But I'm really curious, what were your thoughts when you heard NVIDIA was buying ARM? My first worry was, because in dealing with NVIDIA graphics cards and Linux, my preferred operating system, there's definitely some disconnect there as to the graphics. And there's a lot of things that come to a Windows machine or even a Mac machine that the card is available to do in software that never comes to us. So my first overall worry was, crap, NVIDIA, while they do do some open source work, it doesn't really trickle down to us for the most part, especially where it comes to the software side. So that, for one, was definitely a concern for me, and it, it still is an overall concern. I would be way more excited if someone like AMD was buying the ARM architecture because then I would think the Raspberry Pis and that kind of stuff would probably grow under an AMD ownership where I'm worried that maybe it might stagnate a bit under an NVIDIA. They, they say they're not making big changes that way. They say they want to use it more for AI, but I'm just not in a place where I fully trust NVIDIA onto what they're going to do with these. I don't think, to be fair, I mean, I don't think they have, anybody would say, yeah, NVIDIA, trust, for sure. Right, <laughs> yeah. That they're, they're not that kind of company in that sense. They're not in the sense of like, you know, 
totally and you're screwing over people, they still make good stuff. So like there's a lot of really cool things that NVIDIA has made, especially with like their demos of the noise cancellation stuff and the virtual background thing. Very, very cool. But at the same time, I do agree that their proprietary approach versus AMD's open source approach is such a huge difference that if AMD were to do it, it'd be amazing. And if with NVIDIA doing it, it's like, well, hopefully they won't ruin it because ARM's biggest thing is that it's the open licensing they have. And the fact that so many companies rely on ARM, basically every single mobile platform and embedded device is ARM at this point. So they have so much power. And if NVIDIA takes it and then, yes, uh, that'd be a stupid business decision, but it's also NVIDIA. So we don't know what they're thinking in the sense of why are they picking up this thing where it doesn't really relate to their other model because they don't have a CPU for the desktop, even though their most known thing is GPUs for the desktop and servers. So is an ARM processor that does it make sense to have that connection? I don't know. Uh, hopefully they do and hopefully they don't ruin it because if they were to keep the open licensing, they'd be amazing. They say they want ARM to continue growing their AI, which, you know, so that's not really competing with the phone markets, the tablet markets. And Apple has announced that some of their next generation computers, as we've talked about before, are going to be running ARM chips. So in that way, they're buying the company, but they're not really competing in a lot of the ways with other companies that they will sell to, which is good for the other companies because that would that would be a worry if right. But they're not going to they compete. Apple but I was it. thinking about maybe they yeah. would change the way the structure of ARM works so that it makes it they get like it's that's the kind of idea of buying a company that currently has a you know a cash cow type of thing and then squeezing it as hard as possible to get all the money you could possibly get out of it. And that's what I think. That's what I'm a, a, like fearful that they will do. Not that I think that they will do it because that would be very stupid to do, but I, I fear because of their model being completely locked down like it is that they might not stick to the openness of ARM. Well, there's some interesting things. When I went to do some research on NVIDIA's open source, because I hear a lot of people who look at NVIDIA and are frustrated because of the lack of open sourcing of their desktop drivers specifically, whereas AMD and Intel have open sourced most of their desktop portions of their desktop driver minus things like the OpenCL portions. But when I go to NVIDIA's website, they have things here that they are, they have a whole section dedicated to open source, which was nice to see because a lot of companies that do dabble in open source don't necessarily talk about it. They have a lot of things here that are related to AI, robotics, and medical research. I don't know, based on some of these names of these projects, it's more that NVIDIA's GPU data science is applied, open source portions of it are applied within the individual projects, like Rapids and TensorRT and NCCL and Digits and Onyx and the things they have here. For instance, under container technology, they have Docker. And the description is build and run Docker containers leveraging NVIDIA GPUs. So some of it looks like they've made portions of their GPUs available to be utilized in open source technologies. 
but it's it, it feels force. like they're more in the sense of doing open source stuff because they want to use things that force them to. Like there's certain types of things like Docker. If you want to use Docker, they, their license requires you to do it. So if you want to use it, you have to. And if they want to support it, which is kind of a necessity at this point for anybody who wants to do anything in containers, you pretty much, and also all the competitive things for the container structure that are competitive to Docker, like Kubernetes and stuff like that is the same situation. They might be doing it just because they have no choice. Yeah. So I, I think it will be interesting. I think it's a fair critique. I don't know. I know people argue that AMD only open source portions because out of desperation for prior to Ryzen, obviously they were hurting pretty bad and that was their only option, but that doesn't explain Intel who's been dominant in the market for decades and still heavily relied on open source. I, I do think that it's interesting that NVIDIA's bit biggest hurdle here is going to be trying to prove that they're going to be a neutral third party in order to make this happen because they have a lot of people from the China government to lots of businesses that are going to look at this that rely on ARM and potentially try to block it to even the UK. Some individuals are going to the prime minister in the UK trying to get this to be blocked because of the consolidation of control into the US markets, which I think is interesting. Uh, NVIDIA has clearly come out, as Wendy said, and said, we've looked very carefully at this and we are going to maintain ARM's independence. That's their motivation. That's what we're going to do. But I think a lot of people have seen a lot of promises in the past of what mergers are going to be, and then they end up being something else. Now, not to say NVIDIA won't pull it off, not to say they're not going to be a great patron of the society, but that's where I think a lot of skepticism comes in is there's a lot of promises, right? Every merger is, we're going to add a billion jobs, and then they lay off 500,000 people. So it's yeah. one of those things where you hear one thing and you think of another. Now, the other concern is if NVIDIA pulls off this purchase, then this allows them a huge amount of influence. And in, think about the processor world. I remember when we were selling computers on my dad's shop, he liked IBM was really was making processors still at the time. And in a lot of ways, IBM had a great product to compete against Intel during that time period for a short time period, but during that time period. But people started coming into the office saying, hey, don't know nothing about computers, but does it have Intel inside? Does it have Intel inside? Because the marketing was so heavily pushed across commercials mm -hmm. that all people knew to say was, does it have Intel inside? That Intel inside sticker became one of the most popular selling points for Intel ever because people didn't have to know anything about a computer. They just wanted to know it had Intel in there. And it had a jingle. It had that sound. You know, you heard that sound and it was Intel. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I would be shocked if NVIDIA with things like smartphones, tablets, wearables, computers, isn't going to want to leverage ARM in order to have NVIDIA inside everywhere. I mean, what would you do if you saw two phones, two Android devices, one said has an NVIDIA GPU in it? Well, that sounds a lot better than that Qualcomm GPU because I don't know yeah. who Qualcomm is and I've never heard of them before. But NVIDIA, I've heard of them. That would be pretty cool. I'm going to be able to game and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Probably the first things that will come to their mind. I would be shocked NVIDIA didn't use that influence in those areas, which would be quite devastating for, I think, a lot of companies out there, a lot of smaller companies than NVIDIA, in fact. And they've dabbled in the, the tablet market before. To be honest, one of my favorite tablets I've ever owned was an NVIDIA Shield. I loved that thing. It was hmm. the best tablet 
ever. Everyone keeps saying that. I need to yeah. get one now. Oh man, I loved mine. I loved mine so much. And one of the best things about that tablet is it had dual front firing speakers. And as far as tablets go, it was one of the most responsive tablets I've ever owned. Plus it had a mini HDMI out so I could have stuff downloaded on it, connect it directly to the TV and play stuff from the tablet directly on the TV without having to go through the router. The only thing about the NVIDIA Shield that confuses me is that there's different models and they're all called the NVIDIA Shield. So there's like yeah. this clamshell like handheld thing and then there's also a tablet and some other stuff. And so you're thinking they should have put super and stuff in front of it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> super for the tablet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the clamshell would be just like, uh, you know, NVIDIA Shield Clam. Sure. I love it. You know, they're it. rock stars when it comes to naming, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it will be interesting because a lot of these companies will be dependent on NVIDIA if, again, this goes through. And so those companies like Samsung and others could see this as highly competitive. But this isn't unusual. Like I mentioned on Ask Noah show, you got to remember Apple buys their screens from Samsung. So this happens in the market where you have two people who compete against each other. Pretty hardcore. Apple and Samsung are the two tiers of the two monopoly mobile OS operating systems out there and they buy products from one another. Well, at least Apple buys from Samsung. So, you know, this, this can happen. It can work. It's just, I think a lot of people are going to be side-eyeing this deal from that standpoint alone. Yeah. And also the, the consolidation of, of, of control and that kind of thing has a potential of massive backfire. So who knows what really would happen from that, that stance. But I mean, I'm, I, if it could, if it was going to be, you know, this is not the, the company that I would want to have purchased ARM, but it doesn't make me like worried either. Because while I don't, uh, I don't necessarily like NVIDIA's business practices and stuff like that, they also don't do anything like malicious or awful overall. It's just problematic and annoying, but nothing like, you don't They're dislike like them. Horrible. You just wish they would be more of a community right. patron and open source and stuff. I mean, I Absolutely. wish they were open source, but at the same time, I wish they would just, you know, I, I also hate when companies do like iterative garbage things, like the super slightly better thing just because they need something out. Like, I do hate that kind of thing. But at that point, that's also not a horrible, atrocious thing. It's just more of a, yeah, you're being irritating and you're not doing anything important or special or whatever maybe this would allow them to do something innovative in that sense um, other than the software they do because they do make some cool AI software type of uh, innovation stuff. So I will give them that. And NVIDIA does do some interesting things. I just wish they would be more, I don't know, community-driven and not so locked down to their own you know, devices and that sort of stuff. It'd be yeah. fantastic if they would just be open like how the reason why arm is so massive and so important is the openness of arm. And that's the only thing that bothers me about NVIDIA buying them is that they've never been known for openness. If they, if they do decide to, you know, keep the openness great, no problem. Uh, but I, I, I think it's a flip, a flip of a coin 50, 50. So what about the competition out there that everybody's talking about? They're saying, Hey, this isn't a problem. NVIDIA happens to go evil, not saying they would, but if they did, we've got RISC-V out there. In fact, a lot of companies are probably going to start looking at RISC-V architecture, mm -hmm. which is fully open source. Is this going to gain momentum in your mind or is that something I, that 
I think this is a great question because I think, well, I'm not necessarily a hardware person, but I am massively into the open source aspect. So I have dug into risk five and many years ago and including when they did this announcement about like what could happen. I don't think that whether or not NVIDIA becomes bad or, or whatever, I don't think that it would matter. I think a lot of companies are going to look at risk five anyway, just in case to head their bets sort of stuff. So I think that risk five has a lot of potential to get a lot of traction more so than it already has. Cause risk five is a really interesting piece of technology with its architecture structure and its modularity concept and a bunch of other stuff. There's a lot of potential in it already. And then you have the, like the slight potential that Nvidia might screw this up and a lot of big companies dependent on ARM. There's a chance that risk five, when they know that they're not going to have a risk with risk five, they can <laughs> check it out. And yeah. Wow. I, okay. Yeah. Look mm-hmm. at what you did there. What do you oh think, Wendy? Goodness. Is risk five something that will take off now or do you think it will still just be kind of a quiet soldier? I really think it depends on if this goes through, goes through for one, what NVIDIA does. And two, one of the reasons why China is balking at this buy is it would be being bought by an American company and then NVIDIA would be subject to um, the American laws when it comes to sending things out into the world. Yeah, trade agreements and and that kind of thing. So there, there are some of the things that NVIDIA is saying that they may not be able to keep promises on. And if they can't keep those promises because of trade stuff then risk five definitely becomes more popular what i love to see is some competition in that level with arm yeah I'm, I'm totally for more competition let's have some in the mobile space in the quote-unquote chromebook factor form factor type devices i think that would be great to have different variability in there give the consumer more choice so will it take off that kind of depends on does the deal go forward? Is it something that I think more companies will be looking into as a sideline? Absolutely. Yeah. But licenses that made up of 180 billion chips and along with other components around the world. So it's just an amazing success story. Arm kind of, I don't know, they didn't come out of nowhere, but it felt like they came out of nowhere and suddenly just took over everything when it came to wearables, computers, smartphones, tablets, they were everywhere. Um, But they didn't do all of the advertising. They didn't have the arm inside stickers on everything. So that's why I say it was kind of a quiet takeover because I bet you if you ask your general consumer, what processor do you have in your phone, they would have no idea or their tablet. It's not even something they they would just say Android. Android, Apple. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They, They don't know. And Apple's deviated so far from the ARM license while they still license it, they, they're creating their own processors and you know additional chipsets surrounding it. And everything else is so custom that I don't think this impacts a lot of people. Are like, oh, Apple's going to go risk five now. I don't think so, not at all. Number one, Apple. If you think Nvidia does very little in open source, go look at Apple's open source contributions. Number two. Uh, I just don't think it bothers them or they really care. They have a pretty strong relationship with NVIDIA anyways, and I don't think they really see NVIDIA as competition. So all great points. Really excited to see what happens here. I'm going to be watching with bated breath 
to see if NVIDIA is actually able to make this acquisition happen. And I'm going to be hoping that the NVIDIA employees and the company culture embraces an open system in which ARM can thrive if they do end up picking ARM up. I would agree with that, uh, especially the bated breath. What does that mean? I have no idea, but it's one of those <laughs> things I've heard, and so I just repeat it. I know. Uh, as soon as you yeah. said that, I was like, yeah, but baited is in like putting bait on a hook or like, what does that mean? You know what? That is a good question for DuckDuckGo. Hope I didn't ruin your edit because <laughs> no, I'm going to include this in the show. Oh, I see. Waiting with bated breath and holding your breath in anticipation. But where's the baited part come from? Bait means restrain. Oh, yeah. See, I was. It works, man. I'm. I'm having a restrained breath. See. Oh, okay. It actually also there is. It says if you thought this phrase was spelled baited with like the word bait for hook. You're in good company. Even one of the best-selling books of all time, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, used it this way. Wow. Look at that. (laughs) See, you're not stupid. Yay. I mean, it's debatable, but yay. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the open-source password manager that I use and trust, and you can go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. I've been using Bitwarden for a while now, and I love it. It not only helps me keep track of my hundreds of passwords, it has a random password generator to make those passwords really easy to create. But what makes me really love it is because in addition to all the great features, like I said, Bitwarden is open source software. Some people think that it's better to have software as a proprietary. They're wrong because then it's protected, they think, with a, a sort of secrecy bubble. But to me, if something is open source, it shows a strong level of confidence. If they're willing to put their code out there, they know that that code is good. And Bitwarden is so confident in their code that they welcome people to dig through it. And they even get third-party auditing firms to dig through it on purpose. Like they pay those third-party auditing firms to do it for them to make sure that it is as good as they think it is. And they typically are correct, which is amazing. So this is why I've made the move many years ago to Bitwarden and why I also think you should too. Bitwarden service is so great. They give you so much for free that you'll probably want to just give them a little bit of money just as a thank you. But also, in addition to that, you can get a lot of great features with their premium account. And their premium account only costs $10 per year. And with that $10 per year, you get one gigabyte of file storage that's encrypted, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo, TOTP, or temporary one-time password authenticator storage and generation, and so much more, including priority customer support. So make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started. Thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring Hardware Addicts and the Destination Linux Network. All right, Wendy. So we ran out of time last week, so we've left plenty of time for you this week to finish up on light mods. So school us. Well, last week we talked about stuff that you needed to buy. So you had to buy these lights or these adapters, which can start in you know a relatively good price point, and they can get extremely expensive. The stuff that I want to cover now you can use with these lights or you can do use with something that pretty much everybody has a window and a window is a fantastic way to start doing food products still life many different types of photography i've even used it for portrait style stuff uh one of my favorite photographers when it comes to portraits used 
natural light only through a window for years before she found some lights that give that same kind of look as a window. Windows are a great place to get started, but you still want to be able to move and shape that light to get the look exactly like you want. The first one is a whiteboard. They're pretty simple to find. You can find them in any section of the store where they sell stuff for kids, especially in the school project section. That would be the best to put it. They're just great big white foam. You want the foam core boards. So not the ones Mm. that are super flimsy and move around. You want the ones that are just a little bit more expensive, not much, that have the foam core in them so you can stand them up, cut them, shape them in different ways you want. I use these on a regular basis to help fill in shadows. So you'll get this. So it's like a bounce light. Yeah, it's like a, a bounce. The light isn't so much bouncing off of it, but the whatever you're taking a picture of is reflecting that white back to you. Oh, okay. Okay, that's cool. Nice. So it, it helps fill in some of those those shadows and give you a, a nicer look, especially if you've got a, a really pretty soft light coming in through the window and then it can be way too dark in front and you lose that detail using what I would call a white card or a white board. You can fill in those spaces. You can do the exact opposite with a blackboard. These aren't used nowhere near as much. Let's say you have like clear glass. I've used blackboards in the past with clear glass to help show edges and shapes because Mm. it doesn't show very good on its own. And so between using whiteboards and blackboards, I can create the look that I want and you can be able to see the glass the way I want you to, even though by itself, it would really be hard to see any of the detail and the texture that's on that glass. Right. That's a good idea. I mean, there's actually a reference of like how, like, you know, obviously people are like the glass is clear and obviously, you know, you can see through that. But there is this, uh, this is reminding me of a movie that, that from like uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, like the 1968 movie. There's a part where there's a pin floating and the way they did it is that they just stuck it to a piece of glass and they just filmed it through the glass. So it looks yeah. like, how did they do this special effect? Well, it's just a trick. <laughs> trick of light. Yeah, and you can do all kinds of really cool things that way. I know I've done pictures of phones and other things where I wanted it to look like it was just hanging there. And I've used fishing line, that clear fishing line, in order to hold it up. And for the most part, you typically can't see that in the image at all. Or if it shows up just a little bit, it's really easy to edit out. And so it looks like the device or whatever it is is just floating in that spot. But really, you had it hanging up secured. Nice. Super awesome. But back on track, talking about light modifiers. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) It's always, I can get off on all kinds of tangents. Thanks for helping there, Michael. But something that most people use, especially if you're doing portrait work, you will have a reflector. There's a whole bunch of like five-in-one reflectors, that sort of thing. They'll have silver, gold, white, black, and that white. I want the gold. (laughs) I just had to. Wow. Just had to. Actually, um, myself and Ryan, we both have reflectors. 
we put them on our wheels on our bicycles and yes. they are very helpful. Well, I have spinners on my car. Does that count? Same thing. Okay. <laughs> they can see ya. Nobody's going to hit you, right? With your reflectors. Exactly. And they do that. That's <laughs> what they're made for. Same in photography. Well, these reflectors aren't to keep people from hitting you, but oh. they're a way to fill bounce light back into. So a white one is going to help be a lot softer. If you are using a silver reflector, it is going to bring in a whole lot more light to that side. And I know we were talking DIY last week. So here is a quick tip for DIY. You can take a whiteboard that you have, put aluminum foil on it, and you have a silver reflector. Super Ooh. easy. See, I've I was going to guess gold. That's why I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> the gold really isn't gold used that often. Foil. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen gold aluminum foil. And, and really the gold isn't used that often because it does add a gold cast color to the image. So you have to be something really specific that you're wanting that color bounce. You want to catch leprechauns. Into. Use that. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect time <laughs> to use gold. Once sometimes your light coming through your window, if you're using natural light is too bright. So you've got a time of day. This is your one window, your biggest window. It's what you're wanting to use, but you don't have, you need to cut that light. Fabric is one of the best ways to cut that light. Last week, again, we were talking DIY and the shower curtains. That's a wonderful fabric to use. You can find a really light white fabric at most fabric stores, fairly inexpensive. You can use that in different layers, if you need to cut the light just a little bit, you can use one layer. If you need to cut the light a lot, you can use three or four different layers to get that overall look that you're wanting. You're not having to spend a whole lot of money. You're using the window that you have in your home, in your apartment, whatever, and still being able to create the look to have the quality of light that you want to make the picture that you want. It's at a diffusion panel, essentially. You can buy great big ones. Diffusion panels, like in the 5-in-1 reflector, one of them will be a diffusion panel where you can shine the light through it. It'll soften the light. It's essentially what you're doing with a softbox. You can get ones that are absolutely massive. They use them quite often for filming movies, that kind of thing. And you can also use them if you have someone to help you set them up or hold them to do outside portrait photography in lighting conditions that normally would be really harsh on the face, you can soften that down and be able to do those portraits by using these diffusion panels. Nice. Very nice. I have a little bit of diffusion panels, but they're not, okay, not panels. They're tiny little squares, but you know, they sort of do something like that. And I actually did get some new lighting stuff that you'll be super excited about. I found these uh, RGB floodlights for really cheap on Amazon. And I know yeah. we, we, you you love RGBs, so I thought it'd be really cool to have like <laughs> a back, backdrop for no apparent reason to have a different color whenever I feel like it. Yep. So, Wendy, your RGB, which you called Unicorn Puke, as I recall, is legendary saying. I just have to mention, go off a little bit here, because... <laughs> 
all my patron group now in the patron chat will talk about hey i got rgb and vomit. they're like yeah unicorn yeah. vomit that's it they'll mm-hmm. mention it every time so you're <laughs> you now have a legendary saying out there of anytime anybody mentions rgb in my group it's like oh unicorn vomit that's nice <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm so glad I've been able to positively contribute to the DOS Geek channel group in such a fun way. (laughs) (laughs) That pretty much wraps up light mods. Speaking of RGB, instead of RGB in the photography world, we would usually use things called gels and they're pieces of plastic that have different colors to them. You can use them to change the color of the light, make it warmer or cooler so it matches the lighting in other parts of, say, a house, real estate photography. Sometimes they will go through and put gels over all the lights to make every single light match be the same color temperature so the overall look of the image is cleaner. Sometimes they use gels to add some really cool looks, throw blue gels on or different bright and funky colors to add different to the background, to the image itself. So there is quote unquote RGB in the photography world. It's been (laughs) around for a long time. It's just not flashing all these different colors, AKA rainbow vomit. (laughs) Wow. So you get to call it gels, which is quite a bit cooler than RGB. Yeah, that sounds way way better. The same thing. So right. you you really are you a fan of having RGB I'm sorry gels all over your computer Wendy? <laughs> um no. If you've ever heard me talk about my hardware, you'd know that the RGB is turned off of everything inside <laughs> my main system. It is set to white on my fantastic mouse and on my keyboard cuz backlit keyboards are the best thing ever i absolutely yes. love them mm-hmm. so agree. the lighting on my keyboard because that works <laughs> mine is set to, to this bluish purple <laughs> that is a wonderful thing to admit on a hardware addicts podcast <laughs> I, know. There, I, know. <laughs> I was just like for people who don't claim to be a hardware expert. yeah for people who think that I, that the software stage is is, is not a, is not like serious it's serious <laughs> <laughs> You but know, but the RGB is controlled through software. So, yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, it depends on the keyboard because <laughs> mine is controlled directly through the keyboard itself. So it's set to kind of this bluish purple. And then when you hit a key, it goes white and will slowly fade back to the, the bluish purple. Yeah, but so so Ryan doesn't doesn't know this, but like the, so the, to be clear about the whole RGB thing, so she doesn't use RGB. That's because she has all the lights inside white and she replaces the plastic window with a different gel so that she could have a different color whenever she oh. wants to without actually having to do the RGB thing. You got me. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so when we, since we're talking about keyboards and to end out the show here, I just want a keyboard shout out. What keyboard are you using right now? Mine is the Rocat Vulcan, which is an awesome, awesome. That sounds, keyboard. that sounds like that's a good name too. Nice. Yes. I like that. Mine has a very terrible name. I mean, it's a, it's a good keyboard. But it's the Corsair K70. K70 is a fantastic keyboard. Love yeah, it. Yeah, I like the keyboard, but it needs a better name. Like a Vulcan or like La Tigre. Enterprise. <laughs> well, okay, and yeah, I Enterprise am, would be awesome. For you. 
<laughs> you don't have to admit that on a hardware podcast. <laughs> yeah, please don't admit you don't like Star Trek on a hardware podcast, Wendy. Star Trek or Star Wars? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> what keyboard? Are don't you worry, using? everybody. We'll 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 we're we're gonna we'll show her the way. Yeah, yeah, we'll show her the way. So I am using a Cooler Master MK750 with blue switches. I would love to have this same keyboard with brown switches. And it's not that I don't like the keys in this. It's been an amazing keyboard. They're just really loud when the whole rest of the house is sleeping. So brown switches would be so nice. They still give me that tactile feedback that Mm -hmm. I love from the blues without the really loud click that I feel is going to wake up the whole house every time I hit a button. That's why I have browns as well, for, so I can avoid uh, making the is not as bad. Like especially when you're doing podcasts and you have to type, yeah, like it, it, it picks up. If you have a blues, it'll pick pick up everything. So I got browns, uh, luckily because uh, I I just got it from Ryan and he already had browns in them. So right. Well, you should just get <clears throat> RGB switches. Those would be amazing. Oh yes, I do want that. Like that'd yes. be fantastic. We'll order one for Wendy too. Awesome. That's it. Our 19th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on the Destination Linux network. Head right now to destinationlinux.network, put that in your browser, and hit enter to check out all the great podcasts and YouTube partners available there. There is so much to fill your brains with. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time for another awesome episode where it won't cost you an arm or a leg, but you'll get a lot of great content and pro RGB rainbow vomit episode of Hardware Addicts.